So you all want to know what really happened backstage with Blake Shelton and his team and the NBC team? You really, you really want to know? Okay. Well, gather around children because given that it, it is your lucky day and that my show is indeed called Cancel Me Baby, we are in the business today of transparency and calling it, you know, as it as things are happening, what is actually going on and making sense of it all. Because, you know, I don't really know at this point what can last longer. Elon and this his spastic Twitter fingers or me being in Nashville and not getting in trouble with celebrities and or the media powers that be. But you know what? Let's find out. And as usual, guys, there really is the reason that I am telling you guys this story. I've teased it a little bit. It's not to, um, you know, knock anybody or, you know, be any kind of like salacious, anything like that at all. I think that there is a really important message in what I experienced in what unfolded, you know me, like I am always looking at the big picture, which is perhaps what got me in this mess. <laughs> but I think that all in all, it is a really good message to look at in terms of where we're at climate wise, individually, and navigating it all. And so without further ado, picture it, okay? Like a Golden Girls meme. <laughs> it's not Sicily. You know, 1972. No, no, I'll do you one better. It's Nashville, 2022. And it's a cool November, I think, night, okay? We are in downtown Broadway at Blake Shelton's infamous establishment for, you know, cocktails and live music and escapism, what have you, all red. And I was there invited as a member of the press to promote, and I'm gonna make this very clear and it's going to be explicit why <laughs> later, um, to celebrate and promote Blake's new USA show, Barmageddon, that he's hosting with Nikki Bella, uh, famous WWE star, right? And of course, Carson Daly, how could we forget? So I walk in to said establishment and the way that they had it set up was very lax and very cool. Basically, they had opened up to the press um, an opportunity to kind of mingle with the hosts and interview them and play bar games with them and have cocktails made by them before the actual premiere party, which entailed, you know, a performance by Blake and cocktails and all sorts of fun and games, right? Um, what have you. And so I, you know, doing what I do, kind of got right into business. So I am upstairs. Again, the whole place is shut down. It's just really open for the press and people of the media to like experience this whole thing. And I'm playing this like axe throwing game with Carson Daly. And there's like camera crews and different reporters. And they had you put like these beer goggles on and this whole thing. Right. And if you listen to my episode with the um, at this event, 
you get the gist. Like the whole idea is this kind of like fun slapstick game show in which celebrities play these fun bar games and like kind of are pit against one another. And the whole idea is to, you know, in a time of such chaos to kind of have an escape. I mean, like who can't get behind just like we're, we are, we all are little kids at heart. You know what I mean? I mean this in a non, I mean this like in the most non Balenciaga way possible, but there's something like giddy and joyful about like said frat games and like good old stiff competition and just having at it. Right. Like again, especially in a time of such chaos, like who can't get behind that, like some drinks and fun and good old smack talk with celebrities. So that's the premise of the show and what they're trying to capture. So I'm upstairs mingling with a couple of the reporters and in walks Blake. And like I said, I'm playing this game with Carson and Nikki Bella's there and it's very lax. And so, you know what I came to find out it's quite all right, but not everyone can quite handle the candle cancel me, baby kitchen. No, not the candle, not the bath and body works candle factory people, the cancel me, baby experience. So me and my selfie stick ways, although we were sans selfie stick at this get together, the selfie stick is, you know, what I used in Hollywood to interview all the stars. It's a little bit retired. I found one at Walmart, but it literally did me so dirty. So I have an, I have a vendetta against that and all selfies since then. But nonetheless, I did it in my true selfie fashion, you know, not the whole like fancy camera crew. Again, what I do to really disarm these guys and get into the conversations that I've always had that I think are really worth having. And so I do just that, you know, I don't even allow, like, listen, I know I'm a good time. I'm, I'm wearing a tight white turtleneck on a Thursday that yes, like you, you, you think, you know, but you have no idea. You have no idea what to expect when it comes to this. Okay. And so when I get down to business, like bitch, I get down to business. So like, I'm not even letting myself enjoy like a drink or a whiskey or all this. I'm like, no, I've been around this rodeo enough times to know, like you got to strike when it's hot. And like when Blake Shelton is having a beer and he is right there next to you, like in all Blake Shelton form, you know, you got to strike when it's hot and like take the moment by the balls. You know what I mean? Like not Blake Shelton by the balls um, because we're not trying to get me sued here. Although I think mentally I did kind of take him by the balls, which he wasn't expecting. We're going to get to that. Um, so all that goes to say, I kind of just got right into business. Cause like, if you miss your moment with these people, like it is gone, like literally evaporated into thin air, wicked Mitch of the West, you'll never see them again. I've experienced it so many times. So all that goes to say, didn't even let myself, you know, kick my feet up. I just like got right down to business, made, made sure I got my interviews and got it done and have the conversations with these guys. I wanted to have each of them, Blake and Nikki and Carson, right? So I'm thinking, and yes, if you're wondering, like, what is the tea? What is the tea, girl? You think, again, I have said that we all want what we can't have. I've said this before. Do you think I'm going to give it up that easy, people? No, okay? We are going to pull a white lotus and save the bang for the end, for the finale, if you will, okay, that none of you saw coming. So I'm going to reveal exactly what I talked to them about that, again, that caused this whole mess in a bit hang tight okay a little bit of a cliffhanger in this bitch and so 
then I thought, you know, I accomplished what I came here to accomplish. You know, I got my interviews. I'm going to enjoy some good whiskey. I'm going to enjoy some whiskey. I'm going to watch this sound check. Like it is Woodstock all over again. Like it is the best thing I've ever seen. And, you know, finally just kick my feet up and, you know, let my hair down, so to speak. So that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm all like accomplished. I'm feeling so great because I just had three great interviews, enjoying a whiskey at Old Red in Nashville. Again, only been here for about three months. Does life get any better? It surely doesn't, okay? Because I'll tell you what played out. You know what I mean? It's like you always are just kept on your toes because when you think stuff's good, you know, then something just comes in and really gives you a reality check. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm sitting there in all my glory, you know, resting on my laurels and who comes over but the event publicist. And she says to me that essentially the talent wasn't all the way comfortable with what I had asked them um, and went to the PR about it, basically being like, what just, what actually just happened? Like this girl came in here, guns blazing, my head is spinning. And essentially the publicist had requested that I not run any of the footage, period. Like talk about, talk about evaporating into thin air, like as if it's inception, as if this never happened, as if I had to have self-imposed amnesia and go back in time like Marty McFly for 30 minutes. What? So I'm just trying to stay calm, cool, and collected. Because in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. These were like such great conversations. What went awry? And I'm also getting severe PTSD from when I dealt with this in Hollywood on the reg, right? So in my old days, I like when I was in, you know, LA, because I feel like back then I dealt with stuff like this all the time, you know, with either not so much the talent themselves, but with their people um, being like, you know, what just happened? I don't want to run this. I don't want to run that. And, you know, really carefully curating what is put out there about them. Right. And I'm going to explain this, but I could get, I could get that, especially in the, this day and age. Right. So instead of like going off the wall, like I have done this in LA where I full blown, like went crazy on these bitches. <laughs> I would be, I feel like back then I would have been so like aggressive and defensive and been like, what? And I just stayed calm, cool and collected. I'm like, okay, how about like, what is actually going on? What is the issue here? What happened? Like, let's fix this. Like, I want to make everybody happy that here, like let's compromise to where everybody wins and everyone's happy. So first of all, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm not going to not run this footage. And number one, there was nothing that crazy enough to where, again, I could get it. I could get because of the climate we're in, but literally like you would think that it was like, so the gangbang that I had the other day on the roof of Luke Bryan's bar, like it was nothing even remotely, you know, it was totally common sense, rational, sane, like conversations like we have right in day to day. And so I make a compromise and I say, okay, how about we watch through all the footage? And cause that's the other thing I have done this long enough to know that if I had sent them the footage, say on email or something, they could easily just be like, it, it just takes the human out of it. And they could easily just be like, don't run this. Don't, you know, 
put the kibosh on it. And I'm thinking to myself, we're all here. We're we're all in one room. Let's kind of like get it over with and get to the bottom of it. So I say, why don't I watch the footage with you guys and we'll compromise and we'll decide on what to air and what not to air. So in, and also like sidebar, I could have been a total dick and like the footage was already mine and they know that. So if I was really an asshole, I could just be like, sorry, Charlie, like it's, it is what it is, buddy. Like it's going out there on the airwaves and I could have just aired it and not cared. Right. But I wasn't going to do that. I'm like, it's not worth it to get them mad to ruffle feathers. And in the end, like, and I told them this too, I'm never trying to make anybody super uncomfortable or make them look bad, which by the way, none of this makes any of them look bad, which, you know, we all agreed upon. So what have you is, you know, me upstairs at Old Red while this whole party is going on backstage, okay, with Blake Shelton's publicist, the NBC publicist, and the event publicist. In my eight years of doing this, I have never experienced anything like it. And so, you know, again, it's not over to the fat lady sings people and you think you've seen it all and you don't. And so I come to learn and also like how awkward, like you think that it is awkward listening to your own voice on a voicemail. Do you know how awkward it is to watch your interview with Blake Shelton in front of his and two other high, big, important publicists of something they're already completely furious and pissed off about, like truly the most awkward thing of all time, right? So I come to learn that, you know, the first thing when I was approached by this was the publicist was saying, you know, you got into things that were political and women's rights and all this and all that. So I will say I could totally understand where these guys were coming from because there was that, right? I mean, like I said, not everyone can handle it, but that's, but that's neither here nor there. Right. But the reason that they were kind of caught off guard in terms of like the talent and the publicist is because my bad, my bad, I'll admit it. I didn't quite read the room, you know, and I didn't really promote their show, which is what they wanted, right? They're thinking, we invited this girl to promote our show. Like literally we have a, a, a bowling alley over here that we created that is bigger than the Thanksgiving day parade minions poop. And, you know, she has the audacity to come over here and try to be Barbara Walters. Like what is going on here? So in fairness to them, in my mind, I thought that I, you'll see, because I, I was, Again, because I look at the bigger picture, I thought I was tying in the show and the bigger themes and looking at it from like a societal bird's eye point of view and like how the show um, ties into that and like remedies what we're going through right now. But in their mind, they're like, there is nothing to be said about this show that we brought you and invited you here to help us promote. And you basically went rogue. And literally just did your own thing. Like Diane Sawyer did not ask for this, right? So, and admittedly, I get it. Like on this show, I talk about reading a room and I'll admit, I get it. I didn't, I didn't, and there's a part of me too. And I used to always do this in Hollywood and on the red carpet. Like I perp, I know everybody else is going to be talking about like the fluff and I don't want to do that. And and I told them that too. I said, guys, listen, with all due respect, 
this is the stuff people want to hear. This is real. This is what we're talking about behind closed doors. And I think that it's so much, you have to admit, like it's so much more interesting than a fluffy pre-rehearsed um, line, a promo line about the show, you know? So that's what it really came down to. And in Blake Shelton's case, I started off with him making a joke about Gwen Stefani's parents and it probably didn't come out in the bet, well, how I meant it. Like, if you know me, you'll know what I meant. But basically what I was saying to him is how I I sat next to Gwen's parents at um, a taping of The Voice, obviously when both Blake and Gwen were on it, right? Like iconic. And I was making a joke because from sitting next to them, you would never think that Gwen Stefani was their daughter, just like the way that they dressed, how they were so like modest and low key and how Gwen is this like, obviously eclectic over the top, like rock star, right? So that's what I was getting at. But the way that it first came out before I clarified, I was like, you know, you would never think that she would come out of them. And like, and he's like, what? So, and then he got it, but I could tell from, by the way that I said it at first, it like, he was already like on guard. Right. And then like on top of it, I get into like provocative issues about cancel culture. And he literally in the back of his head is like, what is actually happening here? Like drum solo for this, but not because like what actually just happened. So I am backstage, right? Combing through all of the interviews one by one with the publicist. And they're just waiting. And it's funny too, because like when we do the selfie stuff, like me and Blake, like one of the publicists, I caught her like laughing out loud, but obviously she's like, they're pissed. So she's trying to be all serious. So I look at her and she's like, oh, like, but like, you know, stops laughing and like gets all serious, whatever. But you could tell like if they were just getting more and more pissed and disgruntled. And I can understand why, right? Because in the end, we all have our jobs. You know what I mean? Like Blake Shelton's publicist, his job is to make Blake happy and make him, you know, look in the best light and be happy with put out there about him. The NBC publicist's job, her job is like to promote the shit out of the show. And the event publicist's job is to make sure people like me don't come in causing trouble and making sure everything is smooth sailing. Um, and yes, the trouble child in class, indeed. Like if, if detention were a thing, literally they would have assigned me until the end of time. And so we're watching frame by frame and they're just getting more and more annoyed because as the interviews go on, there's like no mention of the show. Like literally we are getting into the nitty gritty of like this and that. And they keep pausing me while I'm watching. And they're like, where I don't understand what this has to do with the show. And I am like, you know, cause I'm so already, I was already like this, but especially like with what I'm doing with cancel me baby and like bringing these conversations to light. I'm so on my mission. And so I would say like, respectfully, I disagree. I think it does pertain to the show and here's why, you know what I mean? So like I did go toe to toe, but in a respective way, respectful way. And again, in a way that had I been in my like more amateur LA days, I think, again, I would have been a lot more defensive and, and immature, but I'm, I'm glad that I handled it, like stood my ground, but also again, uh, not to pat myself on the back, but um, to really try to compromise when in my head, I have like such a soul focus and mission of like, let's just do this. Right. So literally like the most awkward thing you could, like you thought seven minutes in heaven was awkward. This was like seven minutes of purgatory in the chambers of old red. Okay. 
Um, but again, could totally understand where they're coming from. And it's a good lesson to, to read the room. Right. So we're going through like frame by frame and they're like, all right, you could use this. Okay. You could use that, but see, I don't see how this has to do with anything. And we come to, you know, a bit of a compromise. And so you might be wondering, well, Taylor, we've been listening to this lady. What exact, what did you dig up from the grave of bet? Like literally bet Midler's original hocus pocus character that these people we're all so, you know, uncomfortable. So the reason, again, they're going into this thinking they're going to be talking about Pong and Flip Cup. And I'm like, so let's talk about <clears throat> women coming up in the entertainment business and a man's, you know, what people say is a man's, you know, whatever. So who shall we talk about first? So I'll just give you a quick summary, right? The first uh, one, let's say, was Carson. So Carson Daly, I am talking to him, given that he's hosting the show. And obviously, like I talk about how I grew up watching him and idolizing him and literally imitating him on tape and home videos. The receipts are going to be, you know, emerged um, and unearthed. So look out for that. Um, but I say with that said, you know, when he's hosting the show now, I ask him like how fascinating because we hear a lot in the dialogue and in the mainstream in any sector, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be TV hosting and media um, and entertainment, but like women breaking through in what was a traditionally like man's world or man's role. Um, and that whole thing, we hear about it all the time. I mean, think about it. We hear about it in politics. Look at like Kamala Harris, whether you love her, hate her, whether her laugh literally brings you to your own purgatory being the first, you know, female VP, like all these things, right? It, it's across the board. And so I talked to him, like, how interesting from your vantage point, um, being a guy who did come up in this. And I tell him, like, even now I look to the people like Bill Maher and, you know, this and that, and yet like Howard Stern. Um, and I even catch myself saying like, oh, I want to be a female Bill Maher. And it's like, well, no, why is it female? I just want to be like a Bill Maher and even better, right? So I really pick his brain on that whole thing, like his vantage point of coming up as a dude, perhaps with an advantage. And um, what we're seeing now, like that conversation of like women entering the space. And we too, of course, talk about like the importance of the show and like how much we can all disagree and how much conflict there is. But at the end of the day, like, can't you just agree to like kick back together and like get a beer after having an argument? You know what I mean? Like, so we talk about that. And then I also talked to him about um, how if he misses like the TRL days when it was a little bit more of the Wild West and like anything goes. And, you know, like, the, you know what, you know, you know what I mean, like the good old days, right? Like the things that I would have done to be able to be in the flesh of that TRL studio, but I wasn't 18 yet and I'm still pissed about it. Um, and yes, I ended up being in the TRL studio when I worked in that building for VH1 and MTV and it wasn't nearly as satisfying. I hate to report as it would have been in TRL, but I ask, you know, do you kind of miss those days of like when anything goes and it's just like carefree and like people were just off the rails batshit crazy, you know, like it was just everywhere. And um, like the good, you know, Limp Biscuit, Eminem, like all that crazy shit. And he actually answers that. And he talks about like why it's better now because things are taught. People are talking about um, things that they haven't, you know, traditionally in the past and all this. Right. So 
that wraps it up with Carson. And by the way, like I have all of this footage. So we'll TBD. Um, Nikki, now she and I get into a really fascinating conversation of kind of what I was just saying, right? Like that line of how do we um, kind of dance that dance of being acknowledged as a female breaking through in something like, you know, for her, like a female wrestler in WWE and like now of the female co-host and like my goals of being, you know, a big voice in um, media and entertainment and like a, a talk show host. Right. And there's a line because it's like, you don't want to be like, I'm the a female this, like, but getting put in that box again, like a female Bill Maher. You know what I mean? But at the same time, acknowledging that, yes, we look around and it is very much um, monopolized by men still in a lot of ways. Right. So kind of like acknowledging those things, like I don't want to be the female this. But yes, there needs to be more of us. And so she had a great answer. And, and we talk about that. And then we get into a really fascinating conversation about women and sports and like the dialogue going on right now. Amir Odom and I talked about it when I had him on my show, but like women um, athletes not getting paid as much as men. And I asked her like, you know, isn't there validity and something to be said about people naturally gravitating towards male sports, you know, all this. Um, and she answers that. And then I talked to her too about, um, at the end, you know, how we see female athletes. It's like a theme I talk about here all the time. Um, but playing up multiple aspects, aspects and attributes of themselves when they're performing, so, you know, on the show, I really like to advocate, of course, as you know, for playing up, you know, physicality and beauty and what makes you feel sexy and empowered and also um, your intellectual side and brains and thoughts and ideas that, you know, you have to bring into the world and creations. And in her case, like I talked to her about, you know, how you see female athletes like doing their thing and kicking ass and like such athletic excellence you'll even see it in the olympics right but they'll like have their makeup on with like a winged eyeliner so she talks about that and like the power of bringing both of those things together and lastly i talked to blake shelton um kind of about again the overarching idea of this show coming in a time when you know and the show does it brings people like from all over the country from all walks of life to like compete because it also um, ha brings into the fold like viral stars and stuff. Um, but I ask him like between like owning all red where people are coming in and out, of course, like performing, you know, everywhere, a show like this, like, how do we have more in common than not? Like, what do you see? What do you see performing and performing for and entertaining? Like, these people from all walks of life? And like, what do you make of this divide and, and all of that? And then you know, and he, and then we get into um, the culture clash in country music. Um, so like, the old, which I've explored, you know, the old versus the new and, you know, the traditional versus the woke and what have you and what's PC and what's not. And he had such a great line, I thought. And he basically says, you know, something I always express here on the show, which is country music should never be PC. It's art. And if people don't like it to hell with it, basically, like you do you and it should never be about um, politics or what's politically correct. Right. So there you have it in a nutshell. Um, so note to self, <laughs> read the invite 
thoroughly, right? And again, not that on the invite, it's like explicitly talk about this people. Um, but you know, I get it. They wanted to promote their fun bar show. And you know, here I am in there, like it's 60 minutes, you know, with the side of tequila neat, or in my case, whiskey, actually, I don't know why tequila was a Freudian slip. I'm really upset about that. But all that goes to say, this is why I was so adamant with the publicist in a non-combative way about why this is what people want to hear and see. And to a degree, they didn't even argue that. They were like, look, we're not knocking your platform or what you're trying to do, but like this wasn't the venue or the space, right? Um, and so I think that it just, it, it goes to say like, how important it is to be having these conversations because they hit close to home for all of us. And again, I do think that it's what we're seeing and consuming and, and how we like interact, like say you're a woman in the workforce and like, you know, trying to carve out a job role or this or that, like they, it, all this, like, or you disagree with your aunt over Thanksgiving about like the level of Trump, Trump's tan that day. Like it just, it really like trickles down and affects us all on a day to day, you know, these celebrities obviously included. So, you know, I won't back down when it comes to that. I think that obviously this is what we want to see and what um, people are, are, are talking about. And it also, like, I have to say, even though like in a way it's kind of funny, right? Because it's a little bit of a meta moment. Cause I feel like in a way they did kind of try to cancel quote, like quote, quote unquote, cancel me by at first, like their knee jerk reaction was like, you can't run any of this footage and basically try to like not put what the talent said or what I said out there. Um, but in a weird way, it also kind of made me proud because when you are the trouble child, it's almost like, you know, you're doing something right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying you should go out here, like pissing people off left, right and sideways. That's just obnoxious. And that's never what I'm trying to do. But it even like, even reading about all the Twitter files, it cracks me up because what we also had agreed upon is that once I cut the video, which is the episode I posted on Wednesday, um, they would have to see it before I posted it to get final approval. Now, Technically, I don't have to do any of this, but again, I just wanted to do the right thing and stay in their good graces, right? Like there's no reason to, when I was the one admittedly who didn't necessarily read the room and make it more about their show um, and help promote their show, I wanted to be, you know, to, to, to be cordial with them and uh, cooperative. Um, but it was funny because, but yeah, so they said before you air it, we have to like see what you edit and give it the green light. And there's like a subject like Barmageddon videos, you know, and reading all the Twitter file stuff. It's so funny because they're playing out at the same time. And while my thing obviously is like a very baby, baby microscopic back there backstage at all red of what's going on with the exposed Twitter files. It was so funny because when I was reading them and reading these emails amongst Twitter execs that have now been exposed and how in the subject it'll be like confidential, you know, New York Post story. It so reminded me of like this moment right now and the thing like Barbageddon videos, you know, but, you know, it just makes me think like if you are you know, doing something that isn't like everybody else and that has something to say and that gets people like a double take, like, whoa, like, wait, what, what just happened? This isn't like everybody else. It's almost like you're doing something right. 
because nobody else is doing it. Right. And so to that, I say, chin chin to the trouble children. And of course, even the bigger point of why it's so important to have these conversations is because of what just played out and what just happened, how everybody is so terrified of, and nothing they said was problematic at all. In fact, it all made them look like in a great light, um, like totally diplomatic and and fine. Um, And it just goes to show how terrified and, you know, uptight, understandably, people in media or not are. Everybody is so scared right now. And it's just so reflective of our crazy climate. And what I'm really trying to combat with the show, it's like, Jesus, like, let's just have our thoughts. And if someone has a problem to hell with it, like, let's keep it moving and, and be able to hear each other's thoughts for crying out loud, you know, and, and be fuller and realize like the world isn't only thinking what you're thinking, you know what I mean? So why we need to have these conversations and accept different views from people even more because look at what it's creating. Like nobody wants to be caught saying anything remotely, you know, interesting (laughs) or controversial. So that's why I say, you know, we have them even more. And this is an open invitation because I will say Blake's publicist, who who was a very nice man, um, did say now that if we wanted to do like a sit down one on one to talk about all these like societal issues and world issues, which was so hilarious watching the videos, they kept saying, like, why is this about the world and not our show Um, that he would coordinate that. So with that said, hey. The ball's in your court. Blake, if you want to come on for a full sit down to really get into it and have a good time and, hey, maybe throw some back in the meantime, let's do it. 